Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Today we continue our series titled The Anointing with a message very simply titled, Why? Have you ever thought about why God puts an anointing on people? What is God's purpose for that? Today we're going to explore that deeply in this message and give you some very foundational understanding about why God gives an anointing to people. So listen in, take notes, and I'll be with you at the end of the broadcast him and it was empowering him to do very specific things. And Jesus himself didn't just come up that with his mind. He actually found in the scriptures in the book of Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. He found what that word said and he stood there and he proclaimed the word of God that he knew was over himself to everybody else. Praise God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Tell your neighbor, I am anointed because the Spirit is on me. Amen. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 1. You keep your finger where you are. You say in Ephesians. We're going to go to Colossians and bring it up on the screen. Colossians chapter 1. We read this and we've been standing on this as our foundation for this anointing series. The number one, the Spirit of the Lord was upon us. And in the book of Colossians... Paul says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fill the word of God. In other words, Paul said, I've got a stewardship. In other words, I've been given something to be responsible for. Stewardship is what you are handed that belongs to someone else, but you are now in charge. You're the manager. You're the steward of that thing. So he said, I became a minister according to stewardship. In other words, I didn't come a minister because I wanted to be popular. I became a minister because God called me and handed me something that I have to serve. I'm a steward. And that stewardship didn't come from people. That stewardship came from who? From God. Which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. I'm here as a stewardship and I minister to you to fulfill God's word for you. Not to fulfill my purpose in my life, but for you to fulfill the purpose on your life. Because God has something for you. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now, tell your neighbor, say, now's the time. But now has been revealed to his saints. Who are the saints? We are the saints. We are. Amen. You can say it personal. I am. Verse 27. To them God willed. Say, to me God willed. To make known. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? In other words, it's God's will for you to know this. It's not God's will for you to walk around saying, I wonder what the will of the Lord is. It's not God's will for you to walk around wondering what God's purpose is for your life. It's not God's will for you to move around and not understand what God has for you and what God wants to do in you and through you. It's never been God's will. Matter of fact, God said, I want my saints to know. He said, and I've caused a church to be formed, the body of Christ to be formed, in order that we have leaders who teach people how to know. Not that people look at the leader and say, the leader knows and I don't. To them, who? The saints. To them, God will to make known. It's not God's will for there to be special people who know and others who don't. 
This is not a secret society in which I'm going to give a special handshake, and if you don't know the handshake, you don't get nothing from me. That's not what this is. This is not a secret place in, in, which, in which there's only a group of people who become special enough to ever attain to the highest knowledge. The highest knowledge is God is standing here shining, waiting for everyone to understand and comprehend what is this will. He's not hiding himself. God is exposing himself. God sent Jesus to be the fullness of the revelation of who he is. And that we might see Jesus and look upon him and know him. So much so that he said, Christ in you is going to be the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Wow, amen. And we said that what? That word Christ, it means Christos, which in Hebrew is, re- is, tra- is referred to as the Messiah, which is the anointed one. Wow, Jesus is the anointed one. But praise God, when the anointed one lives in your house, your house is anointed. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Amen. It, it, wait, listen. <laughs> I, no, I can't, I'm not. Oh, come on. All right. I'm, 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 going, I'm going on another road. I'm going to stay where, stay where God told me to stay. Hallelujah. Woo! Man. If the anointed one lives in your house, then the house is anointed. Amen? If Jesus lives in you, then what? You're anointed. Amen. That's the easiest way to say it. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, say, I know I'm anointed. Hallelujah. Do you guys know that one of the gifts of the Spirit is self-control? I want to say something so bad, but I got the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to control it. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. All right. Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10. We didn't dwell on this one too much, but I want you to get this in your, in your heart and your mind so that when we go to the next level, you're ready for this. Amen. Isaiah 10, verse 27. It shall come to pass in that day that this burden will be taken away from your shoulder. How many of you ever had a burden on your shoulders? Mm-hmm. It said come to pass in this day that burden's going to be taken off. Woo! Hallelujah. Shall be taken away from your shoulder and this yoke from off thy neck, <laughs> and the yoke shall be destroyed. In other words, it's going to be taken off you, then it's going to be destroyed. This yoke shall be destroyed. Why? Because of what? The anointing. The New King James Version says, because of the anointing oil. If you take a piece of leather and you put oil on it, the first thing that happens is it moisturizes it. Check my connection. Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Feels tight. So, see what happens here. Okay, enemy's after it. Okay, I got him. Got one for him. All right, praise the Lord. We'll go with this handheld. Amen. Cut, cut the middle man out. Hallelujah. If you pour oil on a piece of leather, first it moisturizes. But when there's more oil and more oil and more oil, eventually the leather starts to deteriorate. 
And when the leather starts to deteriorate, that same leather that you were pulling on, it will tear. <laughs> so what the anointing does, see, in this point, yokes were put on ox to hold them. But he said, this anointing that's coming, it's going to be like an anointing oil that's going to dissolve it. Not only will the yoke be lifted, but when the yoke is off, it will be dissolved so that even if it tries to come back, it can't hold you. The strength of the ox will be too much for the yoke so that even if the yoke is put back on the ox, the ox will be stronger than the yoke. <laughs> Amen. Come on. There's stuff that will get pulled off of you in Christ by the anointing of God. And when the enemy comes to try to put it on you, you need to know that the anointing oil has destroyed it. And I'm stronger than the thing that was put on me. It was stronger than me and held me in bondage at first. But now that that oil has been on it, ugh, I can tear that thing off of me. <laughs> Amen. Come on, that's what happens in sin in our lives. Sin is on us, it binds us, it's holding us in cue. And whether it's your attitude or your desires or whatever that becomes that form of lust, whatever it is, it holds you and you can't shake it off. But when this anointing gets on it, this anointing will start to dissolve that thing and break it down. But you've got to keep under the anointing because when it breaks, you'll be stronger than the thing. And even when they try to put it back on you, you pull it off and you walk out of it. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on now. Y'all excited about that? Hallelujah. That's the anointing God's put on you. Amen. We were teaching about the anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. God has put an anointing on every person. If Christ is in you, then the anointing is there because Christ never dwells anywhere without his Holy Spirit also being there. Wherever he is, the Holy Spirit is with them. Because why? There are three that bear witness in heaven. Where? The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. They are one. If one is there, if the Father is there, that means so is the Word and so is the Spirit. Amen? If the Word is there, that means the Father is there and the Spirit is there. Amen? If the Spirit is there, that means the Word has to be and the Father is there. Because they're one and they don't go anywhere without each other. And there are three that bear witness on the earth. The Father, the Word, excuse me, the Word, the water, excuse me, the water, the blood, and the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit is, the blood is there. What does the blood do for us? We were singing about the blood earlier, amen? The blood, I plead, I plead the blood. What does that mean? That means I'm pleading or declaring that the blood is here. I'm saying that the blood is in this place. The blood of Jesus is here. The thing that actually in my life becomes that anointing that dissolves sin. The blood comes over me and the blood takes care of the sin that has been in my life, the sin that is in my life, and the sin that will try to be in my life. The blood takes care of it all. Hallelujah. Amen. And the water. What is the water? The spirit is in me. So what? Jesus said, let's go there. John chapter seven. Hallelujah. John seven, verse 37 and 38. Jesus said, he that believes on me, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And verse 38 says, and he that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Amen. Wherever the blood the water and the spirit are, that's where he is. 
the water. I have the Spirit of God, the water of God, the living water starts pouring out of my life. What is the living water? That living water is all that beautiful fruit of the Spirit that's pouring out of you. Those things that flow out of you, the Word of God that flows out of you, the things that come out of you, the things that are generated by God's presence in your life that flow out of you, that is the water that's pouring out of you. Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God in you. We said that and then we looked at it in the book of Ezekiel and we saw that the temple started filling up with water and the water was pouring out everywhere. And the water was producing life everywhere the water went. Amen. What is that? That is you producing life. That's the water of God pouring out of you and the things that come out of you starting to flourish things around you. Bringing life to every place you go. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, tell your neighbor, say, I'm a life giver because of the spirits. That's in me. Hallelujah. The anointing makes you a life giver. Hallelujah. When you are on fire and you know who God is in you, when you go places, the spirit of God is there. The Holy Spirit is making things happen in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, I am glad to have water flowing out of me. Amen. 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 We're going to bring up a slide. That's, uh, I, I know I want to go to... Um, Mm, Holy Spirit, show me what to do. Let's do it. Let's go to, uh, what passage did I tell you guys to turn to? Ephesians 1, 4, 4 and 1, right? Yeah, let's go there. Ephesians 4 and 1, let's go there. I know how to do it if I wanted to do it my way. Amen? I'll listen for the Spirit to say His way. Amen? Listen close. Tell your neighbor before we read this. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Before we read this, tell your neighbor. <laughs> before we read this, tell your neighbor, say, I'm glad you're anointed. Because this passage will be meaningful to you. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And let's stop right there. Go back to verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. The message today is very simple. It's called why. We're preaching about anointing and we're talking about anointing and all that's great. But the real question is why? Because it's great to have things. But if you don't know why you have them then they're not purposeful. They, they can't be used for the purpose in which they're intended. I read this, this book a long many years ago by Miles Monroe called The Principles of Purpose. And what he said, one of the principles was that everything in life has a purpose. Bats have a purpose, right? There's a purpose for bats. There's a purpose for rats, right? Cats. They, got per they all have a reason for being here, right? Gnats got a purpose. 
Everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. Even if you don't understand the purpose, even if it's irritating or nasty to you, even if it's ugly to you, it has a purpose. It has a reason for being here. It has a reason for existing. And if gnats, bats, cats, and rats all have purpose, please let me know that you have one. You have a purpose. You have a reason for being here. If simple things, elementary things, things we don't like, if they all have a purpose and a reason for being, why would we not have a purpose? And God gave Jesus an anointing. In Luke chapter 4, 38, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to fulfill a purpose. And that purpose is. And he began speaking what those things were. Notice that none of those things had to do with his occupation. Because in our society, we gain, we determine purpose by our occupation. That I am a X. That's my purpose. But that's not how Jesus identified himself. As a matter of fact, Jesus was a carpenter, but nowhere in the things of what he said he was called to do was carpenter one of them. Our career does not define us. Amen? Amen is revelation. Praise the Lord. Yes. Our career does not define us. Our career does not explain our purpose. Because I know lots of people who have studied hard, who've completed years and levels of college, have earned the highest level degree that's possible to have, and still don't know their purpose. You know, one of my children is, is studying a, a subject, and I was sharing with her, I said, you know, some people that study that subject are now working in my field. They're, they're completing. Now, she knows what she's doing. She's on a course. But if you're not on a course, you can spend a lot of time pursuing things that won't take you where you're actually trying to go. And what all of us are really ultimately trying to do is fulfill something in us that God has called us to. There's something that God has put in us that brings us a joy or brings us a satisfaction. And when we don't find it, we become frustrated or we attempt to fulfill it in other ways. I find that when I'm fully doing what God's called me to do, I have less and less need for entertainment. When I'm really doing what I'm called to do, I'm not worried about other stuff. It's not even bothering me. I'm not even tripping off of that stuff. I might go down and sit down and watch something or do something else. It's not wrong with enjoying yourself, but I can get caught up in what I'm doing and I don't even look up. And I look up and time has gone by. Why? Because I'm engaged in the calling. Amen. See, that's what my goal is for you. My goal is for you that you be engaged in the calling, not so that you never do anything to enjoy your life, but that you are satisfied because that peace of God that goes past all understanding is guarding your heart and mind because you're fulfilling the will of God in your life. It's called purpose. Amen. God gives us anointing to fulfill purpose. Some people have been identified by their anointing, but their anointing is not what really defines you either because the anointing is just a tool to get things done. So let's look up our definitions of, of, of anointing really quickly. We said anointing is God's supernatural power to get things done through his people. Amen? 
Amen? Another one. The anointing is God's burden-removing and yoke-destroying power. In other words, God focuses on, number one, how to break chains and give purpose. Amen? Because an ox that's chained can't fulfill his purpose. An ox that's chained is fulfilling somebody else's purpose. I'm going to say that again. An ox that's chained cannot fulfill his own purpose. An ox that's chained is fulfilling someone else's purpose. <laughs> if you are chained, that means you're going to fulfill someone else's purpose, not the purpose you have. You have to be free to fulfill your purpose. That's why the word says that he whom the son sets free has been made free indeed. But our freedom is not the kind of freedom that we want to think about when we looked at what Paul said. Paul said, I therefore as the prisoner of Christ. I'm going to teach you something. And it seems like being free and being a prisoner aren't the same. But Paul was a prisoner of Christ because he chose to be. Paul made a choice to be Christ's prisoner. He said he has the words of eternal life. As Peter made the observation when Jesus preached a hard word to the people and they all said, this is hard, we can't take this. And they started to walk away from Jesus. Jesus looked at the 12 and said, will you guys go also? And Peter said, where are we going to go? You're giving us the words of eternal life. It may be hard to receive, but we know that your word is actually setting us free. And it looks to the world like we're prisoners, like we're serving and following you. It looks like we're prisoners of you. But in actuality, we're following you because it makes us free. <laughs> a friend of mine told me one time, he said, man, he said, uh, do you only listen to gospel music? I said, well, no, not only. I said, but mostly. <laughs> I said, because it does something for me. I listen to other music and it sounds good. But when I listen to the word in song, it's feeding my spirit. My spirit is getting fed. My heart is getting fed. And you know what? So what happens is when I finish listening to some music, I'm agitated. When I listen to this music, I'm strong. So it looks like you I'm restricted that I'm only listening to this. Oh, you're restricting yourself? Yes. But I'm doing it on purpose because I see the benefit. I see what does God do through it. Amen? Why anointing? Why does God give us an anointing? Go to John 10 and 10. We receive the anointing by the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus' purpose, he said, I have come. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. God's will is for you to have life and abundance of it. But sometimes we don't realize that because there's an enemy who's trying to steal, to kill, and destroy, he has traps that look like they're freedom. But they're actually bondage. If I want to lay a trap for somebody, I don't make it look like a trap. <laughs> Y'all ever seen those big bear, bear traps? The ones with the big spikes on them and the, the trigger in the middle? And if you look at it, you say, man, that looks dangerous. <laughs> now, still, I won't touch that. that. Man, that looks like a problem. Big old spikes all around. 
heavy metal. Woo, man, stay away from there. But if you're stuck in the middle of it, a T-bone steak, and you covered the over everything else around it to look like a table, <laughs> and that, that smell is coming up all that, that you know that 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 T-bone smell is coming up in your nostrils, and you look at it and you say, "Man, it looks it looks a little weird." Because why would a steak just be laying out here like this? <laughs> but it's, it's sitting on a table here. Looks fine to me. Now that's a trap. Because it's taking something dangerous, covered over, make it look like it's not. And even though it looks out of the ordinary, your mind will say, <laughs> Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So how do we access the life? We access the life by our life. And in our life being lived, we are initiating an anointing. And that anointing then has a power in it. And that power is fueling us and strengthening us to do what we ordinarily would not be able to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am ready for the why. Why do you have an anointing? Jesus received the Holy Spirit and the anointing to fulfill his purpose and redeem humanity. Let's look at uh, uh, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Verse 38 is where we're going to go. To what? You can write it down and I'll read it. Acts 10 and 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Man, look at this passage. This passage really, this passage capsulizes your strength. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Not Jesus the Son of God, not even Jesus the Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. He appealed to his humanity. He told you where he was born. How God anointed Tracy from Virginia. Come on. How God anointed to Kim from Oakland. Come on. How God anointed Charles from Houston. Come on. How God anointed a person from a place with the Holy Spirit and power. <laughs> Amen. Come on. How God anointed them with the Holy Spirit and power. He didn't say Jesus the Christ because Christ means the anointed one. He said Jesus of Nazareth, the me, Jesus the man. <laughs> How God anointed Jesus the man with Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Woo! What a Tracy Chim, uh, uh, to Kim and Charles all have in common. And the anointing. Amen. The anointing that does what? Destroys yokes. Removes burdens. Amen? How God anointed these three men with that power. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. 
who just go around doing good stuff, freeing everybody who's oppressed of the devil, healing those that are oppressed. How does this happen? Because God's anointing is on us to just walk around and just do his stuff. How unreligious is that? Let's bring that passage up one more time. Look at it close one more time. And I want you to stick your own name in there. How God anointed Derry Moten from East Oakland with the Holy Spirit and power. Come on, I want you to say it in your own way. Uh, Come on, say it. Mm Mm-hmm. Why did God anoint you so you can go around with the Holy Ghost and power doing good? Doing good, healing, setting people free. Why are they drawn to you? Remember, arise, shine, your light has come because the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The Gentiles will be drawn to you. Why are they drawn to you? Because you have the Holy Spirit and power in your life. You're anointed to do good stuff. (laughs) You are anointed just do good stuff. Freeing the oppressed. (laughs) Guess what? Don't think about trying to go to a whole camp of of, of oppressed people. Just go to one. Get one free. You stand in front of the camp. Oh man, how am I going to do a... Go to one. Go to one in faith and let God work through you. You know how I got saved? How God anointed Tamara Jones with the Holy Spirit and power to look me right in my eyes, to speak the word so I could be freed from my oppression. You say, who's Tamara Jones? She's the person who looked in my eyes and preached the gospel to me. She looked me right in my face and preached the gospel and freed me from my oppression. Because God anointed her. God anointed my younger cousin, who was 19 years old at the time, to look me right in my eyes and preach the gospel to me. Hallelujah. She was just going around doing good. Setting people free. Glory to God. You want to have a purpose? How about just walking around every day doing good in this world full of oppressed, crazy, hurting, boiling over people? How about just walking around every day, setting the atmosphere, letting rivers of living water pour out into their lives? The grieving, the wounded, the hurt. How about us just walking around every day freeing people? All those oppressed people out there waiting for someone to come talk to them. Waiting for somebody to enter their life and preach them some good news. Woo! That's why you're anointed. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, I think I know why I'm anointed. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Passage we're real familiar with, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
Therefore, if anyone is in, uh, here we go again. Therefore, if anyone is in this anointing, Christ in us, the hope of glory. If anyone is in the anointing, he's in Christ. (laughs) He's a new creation. Woo, hallelujah. You became a new creation as soon as you came into Christ. Hallelujah. You was born a gnat. Hallelujah. Now you're something else. Hallelujah. A gnat with a purpose. But now (laughs) you're something new. Amen. Y'all didn't like that gnat comment, so I'm going to keep on moving. Amen. <laughs> so who you calling a gnat? Hey, hallelujah. Therefore, if anyone is in the Christ, in Christ, he's a new creation. Man, look at your neighbor and say, you look new to me. <laughs> hallelujah. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. If you think you're old, stop saying it. You're new. Amen? If you think you're old, stop saying it. The oldness has passed away. Come on. You haven't passed away. The oldness passed away. Amen? Amen. Come on. One thing we all got in common. I'm older today than I was yesterday. Everybody got that in common. Amen? So ain't no sense in saying you old. Amen? (laughs) He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. How many does all mean? All means all, right? All means everything, right? It all means everything, right? All means all. All things have become new. But why would God make you a new creation? And why would God make you new? Next verse. Now all things are of God. In other words, the new stuff about you is the new stuff from God. Amen. He made you new because he's trying to make you like him. Who has reconciled us to himself Through Jesus Christ. God has reconciled all of us to himself. In other words, no matter who you are, no matter what you believed before you came to Christ, no matter what you thought, no matter what you did, you've been renewed. You've been reconciled. Reconciliation means there's something wrong, and we've made it right. It's reconciled. Amen. Reconciled to God. Why are you anointed? Because when he reconciled you, he gave you the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, when God made you new, he gave you the power and the anointing to help other people become reconciled to him. Not only did he give it, remember Paul said, Paul said, I have a stewardship. Let's go back to Colossians 1. Tell your neighbor one more time. I'll make y'all talk to each other a lot today. I have been given a ministry of reconciliation. 
Wow. If you have a ministry, you must be a minister. <laughs> Was that a 747 or just a Cessna? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I, got my, I got my answer. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. Paul said, I became a minister because God gave me something. What did he give me? He gave Paul the ministry of reconciliation. He said, I received this ministry of reconciliation. I realized God redeemed me. God put this anointing on me. God's given me this mystery to reveal to folks. And what is it? This, this Christ in us, that hope of glory. God gave me this as a stewardship. And my responsibility is to make sure people know that Christ will be in them and he will make glory come out of them. I've met people in life whose thought has been that they will never accomplish much. Because their thought of accomplishment has been on occupation or career or status or money. And they thought, man, I'm not doing much. I'm not doing much of anything. But what I want you to understand this morning is that the anointing is given to you and it makes you somebody. The anointing makes you someone. It makes you something. It makes you. And when you are made and you understand your purpose, then your purpose starts to become when you walk into rooms knowing the things that God has shown you by revelation because part of the anointing is giving you supernatural understanding to get things done, right? But another part of the anointing is being able to walk in the room and also discern there's yokes in there and Lord, which one do you want me to lift? I'm in a room full of people with yokes. Lord, which one do you want me to lift? And maybe he'll give you a platform to say and do it. And maybe he'll set you with a relationship with somebody to say it. But whatever it is, you use your tongue, you use your anointing, you use what God has given you to break the yokes. And sometimes the people wearing the biggest, baddest yokes are the meanest, nastiest people around because they're under pressure. I had to do something at work. We had a conflict with two rooms. And my office is responsible for scheduling these rooms. And so there was a conflict between two rooms. So, I, so the ev two events are going to happen, and they're both going to happen 60 days from now. We're 60 days away from the event. And so I contact one of the people and say, listen, we have a conflict. Well, actually, first, one of my, one of my team members had actually contacted didn't get a response. So I contacted them. I said, listen, we got, we got a problem. Their response to me was, this ain't cool, blah, 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 and went down the list with it. And I said, you're right, it's not cool, but it's something we have to solve. Amen. Why? Because I'm not easily offended, because I have an anointing. <laughs> so while I would have got escalated, I didn't escalate. I just observed it through the lenses of love. I know I'm already trying to lift a burden from this person. I know they're under pressure. So I just heard it. I listened to it. I gave a soft answer. Their team members came down. We got everything resolved. And what the person said, hey, I'm sorry. My team was a little more friendly than I was. I said, it's okay. I know you're under pressure. Why? Because 
I'm after something. I have a ministry of reconciliation. And I'm trying to reconcile a person to God. But if I become their enemy, I can't bring them to God. But the enemy wants us to be enemies. The enemy wants to bring division between us because if he can get us to be enemies, then I can't reach the person. So the thief is coming to what? Steal the relationship, kill the individual, and destroy my testimony. But he can't have it, amen? Because I'm on to his stuff, amen? And I have an anointing. I know all things. I know when the devil's working. I can see him, amen? Amen. Come on. You can see him too. (laughs) All right, let me get to y'all. Come on. Mark 16. Why do you have an anointing? Mark 16, verse 14 says, Later he appeared to the eleven, and they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart. Wait a minute. I want you to think about this. Jesus has 12 disciples. One betrays him, kills himself. The other 11 see him on the cross, heard him say, for three and a half years, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. If this temple be destroyed, I'll raise up another one. They heard all that, all that time. Jesus raises from the dead. They go to the tomb. They see the tomb is empty. And when Jesus shows up, he has to rebuke their unbelief. Come on, you can walk with Jesus and still have unbelief in your heart. Amen? Come on, ain't nothing special about us besides being special because of the anointing. Amen? We'd like everybody else. You can walk with God and have doubt in your heart. And all Jesus will do is rebuke the unbelief. Notice he says, he didn't rebuke them. He rebuked their unbelief. (laughs) He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Why? Because people came to tell him and they wouldn't listen. I saw Jesus. No, you didn't. (laughs) No, remember he said he was coming back. You did not see Jesus. Jesus is dead. You did not see Jesus. Come on, leave me alone. In the same account in the book of John, they said, we're going fishing. Forget this. Forget this discipleship stuff. We're going back to the sea. He rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. You can be one of those. You have seen and experienced Jesus. You've heard and felt his presence. You have heard from him and you've learned of him. And so you're going to talk to people and they're going to have unbelief and hardness of heart. That's what you're going to face. Just know that's what you're facing already. (laughs) Verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In other words, I already know that you're going to face him. So I'm rebuking your hardness of heart. I'm rebuking your unbelief. I'm showing you who I am. And now I need you to go. Go into all the world. Take the anointing that I've given you and take it to every creature. Verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, 
They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen? What this is saying is that when you believe on Jesus, like the scripture said from John chapter 7, if you believe on him, as you go forward, God will meet you where you go. And God will cause signs and wonders to follow you because you believe. This is where the anointing is happening. This is where the anointing is in action. It's in action when we're going into all the world, when we're going into every creature, when we're ministering to people and signs and wonders start to follow us. Supernatural things start to happen in our wake as we are moving forward in the things of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 2. See, if you focus on the freedom and deliverance of others, God will do things for you. Paul's telling Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're returning, verses 1 through 5. I charge you therefore before God and for the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at this appearing of his uh, at the appearing of his kingdom preach the word preach the word be ready in season out of season always be ready just to preach the word preaching the word does not mean standing in a pulpit see what i'm doing is i'm standing here and i'm teaching you the word preach the word means be ready to proclaim or to say See, we made, we made preaching, I, I, went to, I preached at this church one time. And so I preached this message, and after the service, this lady came up to me. She said, ooh, baby, that was, oh, my goodness. That, that was just revelation. That was, oh, my God. She's talking about how good the message was. She said, but when you learn how to preach that, that'll be really good. <laughs> she validated everything I said. But because I didn't get down, because I didn't deliver it the way she's used to hearing it, she discounted it. I don't have to hear it because you didn't preach it. Preaching is not that. That's what we've called it, but preaching is not that. Preaching is declaring the word of the Lord to people who need to hear. Amen. Amen. Declaring the word of the Lord. A word can be preached in a whisper. A word can be preached from a shout. Either way, if it's the word, it will touch the spirit and people will grow. People will be transformed. Preach the word with an exclamation point. In other words, Paul said, I'm serious about this. Don't take it light. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. People know this about me. I'm, I'm, I, will, it, I will stand here this morning 
I use Arnika this morning as an example. This morning, we're on a three-minute countdown before service starts. So what do I do? Arnika, can you open in prayer? I'm not ready. You need to be ready. <laughs> in season, out of season, be ready. If you're not ready and you're down, walking down the street and somebody walks in, uh, you know what? I feel led to you. I feel uh, something's wrong with my life. I need help. Let me get ready. You don't have time to get ready. There's a world full of people who are under oppression, hurting, wounded, in bondage. And when you show up, you're the light, you're the water, you're the strength. So how are they going to wait for you to get ready? If you're light, then shine. If you're water, then flow. Dude, you are already ready. You are ready. Whether you, the enemy is telling you you're not ready, but you're ready. Light just shines. Light doesn't have to prepare to shine. Light just shines. Water doesn't have to flow. There's already laws already. You pour water anywhere, it does the thing it's called to do. Find gravity and go that direction. And that's what you are. You're water. So you know what you do? Find the Lord and then go in that direction. (laughs) Flow with what the Lord says. You're always ready. Preach the word, be ready, in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Wow. That's that's what the mentor is telling the mentee. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, all the stuff I taught you, just be ready. Just set your mind to preach the word. Be ready all the time, in season, out of season. Next verse. For the time will come when they would not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. In other words, you're going to have to always be ready because you may not get opportunities. People aren't sitting for you to come teach them. You have to teach them when you've got them. Because otherwise, they're going to try to find somebody to tell them what they want to hear. There's a certain particular person, a life coach out there, And they tell people what they want to hear. They make it sound hard. And they, they'll get in a person's face a little bit. But ultimately, they tell them what they want to hear. Which is why it don't work. It's entertaining because they get in, they get in this fight with them. But then ultimately, they tell them that they want to hear. <laughs> because... If life coaches don't tell people what they want to hear, they just go hire another coach. (laughs) And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Verse 5. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. (laughs) Fulfill your ministry. What ministry do you have? Ministry of reconciliation. Do the work of an evangelist. That's what we're to do. That's why God anoints us. If anyone is anointed, 
and their mission is not the work of reconciliation, they don't understand their anointing. See, the anointing is for God to use us to be a light to others. And the byproduct of being that light is that God shows us how to be successful in life. He shows us how to live abundantly, but the purpose is never for us to live in abundance because we're going to go to heaven. I, mean, like, I like what this, this man, I was doing some studying on something, this man said, he said, if you think that worship is the, is, is the purpose of the church, he said, then you need to think about the fact that the greatest worship is never going to happen in a church. It's going to happen in heaven. You think, you think revelation is the purpose of the church? He said the greatest revelation is going to happen when you die and you stand before God. He said, so if those two things are what your church is founded on, he said, your church is better off dead than alive. <laughs> so what's the purpose? The purpose is to use the anointing to help people in this life find God, to be set free, delivered, and made whole. That's the purpose. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Last thing, Acts 1 and 8, and then we're going to pray. Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be what? You shall be what? You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the purpose is for you to be a witness. Amen? You want to understand why anointing's on you? Anointing's on you because God's trying to make you a witness of his grace and his mercy. That's why you need to be comfortable with your salvation testimony. How did you get saved? Can you tell somebody in 30 seconds how you got saved? Can you share it with them? Can you, can you, can you just be able to do that? And when I say just be able to do that, I'm not discounting that. I'm saying that if you understand that that's the beginning of ministry is to be able to tell your salvation experience, what you learned, how you grew, how did you receive Christ? Can you minister that to people? If you can minister that, then God will take you to deeper revelation. You'll minister something deeper and you'll minister more and you'll minister more. But if we understand that God's purpose is to use us and that there are people in our environments who are dry and needing the water that's in you, needing the anointing that you have. Praise the Lord. Man, God's going to move mightily. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Today's message was titled, Why? from our series titled, The Anointing. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, we want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on the site, you're going to find more information about us, our church events calendar, other messages that may be of interest to you, and other events that you may find interesting. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. We invite you to take a look. Also, you can find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. Thanks again for listening. And please join us again next time for our next podcast. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.